0: Can I can I just start off with saying it's good to see your face? It's good to been, see
1: your face. Even good. though
0: people listening to this won't be able to see it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a bad start. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> welcome, welcome! To, <laughs> to the second turnbuckle podcast, everybody. He is Toogie 24 I am Crash. And uh, we're finally back after a month. how how is Finlandia?
1: Oh, God, so we had that conversation before we started recording, right? Of like, how long has it been? And then yeah, you're like, well, you went to Finland, so it's it's been a month. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's been it's been a month, and a lot's happened in that month for for both of us for the wrestling yep. world. It's been a yep. pretty pretty crazy month. Um, you know, I talked about it on the. You might have heard of the hockey podcast that I do. Uh,
0: the Go ahead and plug podcast, it. It's fine. As uh, which long as is a hockey podcast?
1: One. It's not really about hockey. Um, I accept As that long I as really you plug wrestling. this
0: podcast, as long as you plug this podcast on that podcast, I will allow you to plug that podcast on this podcast.
1: There you go. But essentially, I, I did uh, an hour-long episode of like, here's what happens, and the highlights, of course, where I was there for a week. They lost my luggage for five out of the seven days that I was there. Um, it was uh, I thought I was going to die on my uh, three-hour flight from Helsinki to London Heathrow. Um, you know excitement and then we get home and then two days later we had to go to a funeral um it's just it's been a it's been a time mr andrews let me tell you
0: <laughs> so you've basically been living the uh becoming an elite becoming the elite uh, on fight forever with your <laughs> except you didn't go from baltimore to uh, los angeles you went from where mm-hmm. you're currently residing parts unknown to finland and back
1: basically yeah so,
0: right on. What well, we was, are going to um, touch It was the trip. It was a trip. We have lost our chemistry. <laughs> in Probably. The month. We're going to be stepping over e- each other through the whole podcast. We are going to be talking about Fight Forever later on on the podcast. I wanted to start getting uh money in the bank out of the way. I did not watch it, but I kind of followed up on a few of the matches that happened. Uh I want to get your take cuz I believe you did get a chance to see it. I saw a lot of it in clip form on Twitter and on
1: Reddit. Um, Despite WWE's massive success, which this was apparently their most successful non WrestleMania ever, like Mm -hmm. in terms of it was the most successful SmackDown ever in terms of money made the most successful, I think arena based pay-per-view that they've ever had, Um, despite their incredible success lately. Uh, there's still a lot that they do that just isn't for me. So I, I don't tend to uh to dedicate three hours on uh on a weekend to check it out.
0: I wanted to get your take on the uh the briefcase winners though. You have uh Damien, Damien Archer on the men's side and uh Damien
1: Priest. Damien Archer. Why did they say um, Archer?
0: That's his oh, nickname, he used to isn't do that?
1: the. he's yeah, he used- still does that, doesn't he? I don't remember what his yeah, name is. Damien was. Oh, Priest just, just just be a nerd and call him Punishment Martinez as he was known in the Ring <laughs> of Honor.
0: Um and then you have IO Sky on the women's side. Are you okay with those two considering who was in the matches?
1: <sighs> okay, so obviously as as we do, we tend to start talking WWE cuz I'll have less to talk about typically. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have I have plenty to talk about this time <laughs> before we get to the AEW portion of the show. Um Damien Priest winning. I'm a big fan of that guy. I think he's fantastic. He was not the right winner. And people can sit there and do the spin of, of whatever the hell they want. He was not the right winner. Flat out. I do not care if it's, oh, but the, the gimmick works so much better with a heel holder. Sure. That doesn't mean that someone who is cheered cannot also successfully hold that briefcase and have it work out. It's called book it well, and it works out regardless. I don't agree with the takes of, oh, but uh, someone else in the match, they don't need that to get to the main event level, but it'll help Damian Priest get to the main event level. How is it any different than if Damian Priest didn't win the briefcase and then you still inevitably do the idea of judgment day breaks up? He gets a win over Finn Balor. It's not difficult to try to push someone to that main event level. It's called you just have them win. Whether or not the fans take to it, that's up to them and also up to you to make sure that they're interesting. Is Damian Priest having money in the bank any more interesting? Like, is it? I mean they're using the money in the bank as a plot device to drive dissension between the stable. Could you not have done that anyway? You know? So as much as people are just like, but you needed the money in the bank to do that, I I disagree. Um I kind also on the
0: on the women's side though, too, because Bailey got uh, handcuffed mm-hmm. and uh Eosky went up and, and grabbed the briefcases, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the pay-per-view, but you've had <laughs> enough time, Jesus. Um So a little bit of dissension there as well.
1: Yeah, I just for me, you have L.A. Knight or you have Logan Paul. If you're going to go with a heel, why wouldn't it be Logan Paul? Because in terms of having this briefcase on a heel, it would be way more effective to have it be on the biggest heel in the company. Am I wrong from my outside perspective to say that Logan Company, uh, Logan Paul is the biggest heel in the company? I, I would I make mean,
0: the argument that there's one more who wasn't in that ladder match, which is uh, Cody Rhodes' opponent at Money okay. in the Bank. Dominic, that, you know, I would that, put Dominic fair. as the top heel.
1: In terms of best pure heel reactions, it's Logan Paul and, and Dominic Mysterio. That's fair because Roman Reigns... Again, it's the issue of he's such a cool fucking heel that it's 50-50. When what happens in the main event happens, sure, there will be big cheers. But in terms of biggest pure heel reactions, it's it's Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio. And I would argue that Logan Paul is the number one heel because while Dominic Mysterio is not bad in the ring, we have already seen Logan Paul can hang with the Roman Reigns, can hang with the Seth Rollins, like as big of a douchebag as that guy is and and let's be honest it it goes beyond persona based off of a lot of what we've seen and scandals he's been involved in um he is fish to water when Mm -hmm. it comes to when it comes to wrestling and the idea of you know here's Damian Priest and again I really really enjoy the guy's work but if you're gonna have it be on a heel why not have it be on the biggest heel possible I think there was a more natural route for Damian Priest, aside from him. I'll give him the briefcase and it'll work out to get him to where you want him to be. Just and for Logan Paul, it's the idea of again, no one's getting bigger heel reactions than him, other than arguably Dominic Mysterio. And then there's the face side of things. This was La Knight's match to win, man, and this was what pissed me off, and it, it still pisses me off today about the booking. Is it's the idea of oh, yeah, wrestling fans have to be patient. Sometimes really bookers don't. have to be smart enough to strike when the iron's hot. Right. And we had that conversation when Cody Rhodes lost at WrestleMania. And look, mm-hmm. is it working? Like, Is it looking like that's going to work out and that they're going to build to the rematch next year and Cody will probably win that? Sure. At the same time, I do wonder, would Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio have been much more interesting if Cody was world champion? My opinion? Yes. Would Cody and Brock Lesnar have been more interesting if Cody was world champion? Yes. What the hell is Roman Reigns going to do for the next nine months? Mm -hmm. You know, presumably it's like, ah, SummerSlam, it'll be Jey Uso. Can you drag out Roman Reigns and title defenses amongst his family all the way to the Royal Rumble? Maybe. I mean... Like I said, I, I still am on the side of the Cody being champion is fine, and again, we can talk about that in a little yeah, bit, yeah. but that is to say Cody Rhodes is still immensely over. LA Knight is still going to be immensely over, but for me is it intriguing to be like, oh, but he'll probably win the US title. No. Like, I get it. WWE's done a better job at the Intercontinental title. People will lose their fucking minds if LA Knight beats Gunther for that for that belt, let's be honest. But if LA Knight beats um Austin Theory? Austin Theory, the most <laughs> generic man on the roster. If he wins that title, cool, but at the same time, it's that idea of like the guy's over 40. You're gonna almost essentially waste his time being in the mid-card.
0: Finn Balor. Of- Sorry. Sorry, Finn Balor. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know. For me, again, Damian Priest, fine. I see what you're going for. I just I am very surprised that the idea of you didn't want the heel heat of Logan Paul, especially with Seth Rollins being the world heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. Like that lines up perfectly with the history that those two have or Roman's the champion on the other show. With L.A. Knight, at least you could tease like, okay, he's not going to be the one to beat Roman Reigns, but if you get L.A. Knight into these interactions with Seth Rollins and the idea that he might cash in on Seth Rollins. He's made right then and there. You could argue he's already made, but would you rather have LA Knight win the US title and then feud with who? Or he's holding the money in the bank and constantly interacting and teasing Seth Rollins at the idea of here are two guys who are supposed to be heels, but they're both so entertaining that their faces. And then you get that back and forth for however long you want. And especially the history of Seth Rollins as a money in the bank holder. I get it. Some people are like, hey, I can accept the booking for what it is. And that's cool. But for me, I do my best now to turn my brain off and not fantasy book too much. It is dumbfounding to me how you had two A-plus candidates to hold that men's briefcase and you went with the eh, the B option of Damian Priest, where it's like, yeah, it's not bad, but look what you passed up. Right. And again, the idea of, oh, be patient, let it play out. I, I spit in your face. Like, Damian, apparently the re-signed Carlito.
0: Damian Priest got this briefcase, and I'm actually kind of glad you brought up <laughs> Carlito right at the end there. He got this briefcase because he made a star out of Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny mm. is not Logan Paul. Bad Bunny has done amazingly well with amazing wrestlers in the ring. Sorry for a side rant on Bad Bunny. Damian Priest got this briefcase because of WrestleMania backlash, because mm. that match was amazing, and it wasn't. Yep. Look, look back at the tag team uh, where it was Morrison and Miz, and I th- wasn't it Damian and Bad Bunny in that match on the other yeah. side. Yes, right. But that was because of Miz and Morrison. I'll I'll give Bad Bunny all the credit in the world. Bad Bunny is an athlete in the sense that he can hang with the right wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Logan Paul can actually enhance somebody in the ring. And I think we're going to see that soon with him and Ricochet. Sounds like they may have a program Mm -hmm. here shortly, which I think is going to be absolutely amazing. So, I, I get, you know, the reward of this, but look what it did for Austin Theory last year. Austin Theory was on a tailspin <laughs> after he won and cashed in on the U.S. title and lost. And is all we he? could talk about. Oh, and he's irrelevant right now.
1: I was going to say, is he out of that tailspin?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he he kind of picked himself back up and moved forward to actually have a pretty decent U.S. title run but the US title wasn't defended at Money in the Bank in England on one of the biggest pay-per-views that they've ever had probably arguably uh take out take out the Wrestlemanias probably since the SummerSlam in England that was a huge pay-per-view for them and they didn't highlight all of their titles so i i agree with pretty much everything you've said except and i'll i'll be the I will fully admit to being the um, the big LA night. You know, I've been tooting his horn on this podcast for a lot longer than this actual um, run has been for him. Him getting over and over and over. Uh, I don't want to see him in the main event card yet. In in that status, I do actually do want to see him beat Austin Theory for the U.S. title and run with that. I I do agree with you. Strike while the iron is hot. But I think putting him in the uh, heavyweight title scene right now would actually be a detriment to Seth Rollins, to Roman Reigns and the Bloodline and everything that they're doing right now, and to LA Knight. Because it may be a Rey Mysterio title reign, which, you know, would be over in a couple months. I'm not saying he'd last an entire year, but. I could see him dropping it like a month later because the fans finally got what they wanted and then there's nothing there. I
1: agree that he will inherently have a shorter title reign, but I also think it's the idea of he could be someone to hold that briefcase for a lot longer than what we've seen in recent memory. I feel like it's been a while since there's been somebody to hold that briefcase for eight plus months. I could be wrong, but... Right. That's
0: the Yeah. Point. I mean, one of the stats that came out was um, EO Sky, uh was the first woman in, since Carmella about three or four years ago that didn't cash in that night. Yeah. Or did actually the next held it day. for more than one day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, in regards to that, based off of who else was in the match, I think you were. I don't, okay. So here's the thing. Who the fuck is the women's champion right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who are the women's champions? I don't know. Uh, hold on, hold on. I, let me think on this because I, I should have this. Here, I'll look uh, it
1: up and, and you you give me your best bets.
0: Oh, my gosh. You do all the... We actually did prep this time and and I can't think of... Because it's not Becky. Um. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, judgment one, Day. Judgment Day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Rhea Ripley Rhea is the Ripley, women's world champion on Raw, and Asuka is the right. women's champion on SmackDown.
0: Okay. But again, so, there it's the booking of what made the most sense coming out of. Now, Becky and Trish are going to continue their program, so that eliminates uh, two of the six.
1: Yep. So, yeah, you're not going to have Bailey. It's not going to be Zelina Vega. It's not going to be Zoe Stark, who's new to the main roster. It's Triple H's favorite, Eos Sky, which, hey, that's a good favorite to have. I mean, again, that's a very good signing. Uh, she was the obvious choice and the right choice uh, in terms of what champion she goes after. I mean, I think, mo- I think most people are going to trend towards the Asuka side of things.
0: I, I think that that makes the most sense because they're really putting Rhea Ripley into the, the, the- china role of really teasing fights against the men which i'm not necessarily against so i i would have minded bailey because she's been out of the uh main event picture on the women's side for a while Mm. but the stupid thing too is that charlotte flair the the cloud of charlotte flair still hangs over the entire division and with a snap of the fingers she could Win on SmackDown, win that uh, that briefcase and main event. Which there was rumors of her actually being inserted in the match the day of, yeah. which is that character now. But nobody wanted that. Nobody wants that except for Vince.
1: Female Brock Lesnar.
0: Yeah. Well, why why did you have to bring up Money in the Bank, Brock Lesnar? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the
1: way he fucking won the thing was stupid, but Boom Brock's was still one of the best things he had Fair. ever done in his career.
0: Fair. So, uh, one of the other things that came out of uh, Money in the Bank uh, was the Shayna Baszler promo against Ronda Rousey. You're laughing, but I think that this could be an actual turning point for Shayna Baszler. When I hope give, so. When you give somebody a microphone and they say exactly what the fans have been saying for so long... Uh, (laughs) Ronda Rousey should have been a Paul Heyman girl since she started. I think that would have made her even bigger as a wrestler, even though she had the credentials of being a UFC star uh, heading into it. Uh, her on the microphone is terrible. The reason why she was there is because Shayna Baszler tested the waters and made sure it was okay everything that Shayna Baszler said in her promo on raw was absolutely bang on. And my only thought heading, uh, listening to the entire thing. And my, my like debrief afterwards was, did they actually think Shayna Baszler was going to be the heel after this promo? And I think this, I'm not saying that she's going to go off and be, uh, the man, (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's a Becky type of promo, but I think this actually now puts her into that next level of, you know, and and it sounds like uh, Ronda Rousey may be done with uh, WWE pretty soon. So this could be the rub. This could be the push that uh, Shayna Baszler needs to actually get back into that dominant position that she was in in NXT.
1: Yeah, so I didn't listen to the promo. Um, because yeah, um, Shannon Baszler is fantastic. There will obviously be conversations for years and years and years about WWE's handling of Ronda Rousey pretty much post the women's triple threat that main evented that particular WrestleMania, uh, beyond that and her return after that. Uh, yeah, they, they completely squandered it to the point where she hasn't felt like a big deal in a long time. um, you know, and, and it's the idea, too, of if I'm not mistaken, you know, she left to start a family. But correct. So you don't blame her for the leave of absence. But you do look at how they booked her after that. And just, it, it hasn't it hasn't worked. Right. Um, like I said, I, I hope for Shane and Basil this works out. Um, here, here's my problem with this. Um, I did watch one match in full. From this show. And it was that (laughs) tag match. The fuck. Is my response. You have them go through. Eight minutes of a nine minute match. And then up turn. I'm sorry. But to me that's just incredibly lazy booking. Is the idea. Of. You know what. Yeah in the middle of this match. Fuck it. I've had enough. Of you. Like. Because wouldn't you like? To me, I'm sorry. It's just the way they got there was lazy as shit. I think it would have. There's so many other ways you could do it. Just have them lose the match, and then Shayna gets pissed because she'll get cheered anyway. Like if Ronda's going out, have Ronda make the mistake that cost them the match. Because well, look, Shayna's justified. Ronda fucked up. Like
0: to me, just the way they did it. It's the logic.
1: Like I said, I'm sorry. Like, uh, people might say, oh, hypercritical WWE, such an AEW fan, but I don't care. Like, I'm sorry, but it is it is just the idea of, for me, I, I look up and down this card, and I see, in my opinion, the wrong winner of the Men's Money in the Bank, the idea that they went through this match, and had the turn, don't want to say completely out of nowhere, but close enough, um... Gunther beating Matt Riddle in, in under eight minutes, I can understand, because they had the whole thing of, oh, Matt Riddle's hurt going into it. So that's fine. You know, Cody and Dominic was what it wait, was. Wait.
0: What, about, what about Drew McIntyre returning into the intercontinental title scene? <laughs> that, that bugs me. A guy I'm okay
1: with it because it's he and Gunther, and at least it's the intercontinental title scene and not the U.S. title scene
0: see this is I think that's a match that you hold off until Gunther drops the title and then that's like a catalyst like you've you're the heavyweight you've been one of the most dominant heavyweight title winners in uh he carried the company through covid and hmm. like now, now he's going after a, a a lesser title. I love the IC title, but let's be honest, it's not the heavyweight title. It's not the prize.
1: And let's be honest, if he's the one to beat Gunther,
0: Gunther's immediately going into the world title picture. <laughs> right, right. Oh. So what does yeah. that say about Drew McIntyre? Anyways, c- continue on. Uh, sorry, the side tangent uh, to to yeah. rant. I, I up ranted your rant.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like you, know, you had the women's money in the bank. That was fine. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor went like 12 and a half minutes. Eh? <laughs> uh, and then there was the main event, which was good because basically everything in regards to this has been good. I still don't see why Roman Reigns needing to be world champion is a big deal because, oh, well, Jey Uso was the first one to beat him in almost four years. Like, to me, that's not the story is the idea that, oh, Jey Uso was the one that finally beat him. The idea is that just Jey Uso beat him after the Usos have been underlings for him doing his dirty work for three years. That's the story. It's not, oh, Roman Reigns finally lost, and it was to Jey, because Jey Uso's not winning the world title. He's not. He's not, and if he does, LOL, right? Like I get the (laughs) idea that he could be put into this world title scenario. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, like about time you were to actually have Jay Uso. Like, you're not, like, no.
0: No. If and again, it didn't happen in the Thunderdome. It's not happening now.
1: And the Usos are inherently, yes, they are one of the best tag teams of all time. That is just a fact. Neither one of those Usos are getting a world title and I will direct you to their Wikipedia page that has a legal issues section as to why. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a fact. I'm sorry, but it is. It is. I get it. They had to be given special permission to enter the country of Canada to appear at Elimination Chamber in Montreal in February. Neither one of them are winning the world title. So to me, it's just that idea of... Like I see this as Triple H trying to do his own um Tetsuya Naito story in New Japan. Because New Japan a decade ago started this trend of here's Okada and Tanahashi. And Okada's the new hotness. Tanahashi beats him at Mania. Or at Wrestle Kingdom, I should say, their mania. And then it's the idea of well, the next time those two meet, Okada nope, Tanahashi won again. <laughs> and then the third time Okada beat him. And then they kind of did the same thing where it was uh, Tetsuya Naito underwent this big change. He comes back. He's the new hotness. He's going to win. And essentially, he didn't. And by the time he did finally win, it had the feeling of they they missed their timing, essentially, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of what I was referring to in the idea of like, did you miss your timing with LA Knight? Probably not, but maybe maybe you didn't miss your timing for him to be uh, an A star, but maybe you missed your time for him to be even above that. Who knows? It is that idea for me of this like it comes back to the Cody thing, like I said, Roman reigns this whole story's been amazing, but I just I don't see like it all pretty much has to lead towards Cody beating Roman at the next mania. But to me, it's like, well, shit, why couldn't you have just done because they wanted to get to a thousand days? But why right. couldn't you have just done the idea of Cody beats Roman, then Roman goes through all this fucking turmoil, and then you have Roman Reigns fucking snap that he's lost his title, he's lost his family, Cody Rhodes, you did this to me, and then you have the rematch at next year's. Fucking the, to me, there was just a more interesting way to get to where they're going, is what I'm saying, which is why I don't watch that much anymore. I still consume plenty of the content because it's impossible to avoid through a, a Twitter and uh, Reddit medium, but... Right. To me, it's just they leave me with too many. Oh, But this makes more sense in an obvious way, not a fantasy booking way. But it's like, OK, you you took you took the right. But like the left is a straight shot to the restaurant. But you took the right. That's a big old loop around just to get where you're going anyway. Just
0: go with the obvious direction
1: here. So I've said my piece.
0: Just before I before I let you play in your playground of AEW, you sympathist, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to a comment that you made, I don't think the Cody Roman Reigns story needs to be at Mania if the head of the table is on the table versus the rock.
1: Can you? Okay, so that leads to the idea of like, oh, SummerSlam, but now... You don't have time before SummerSlam. No. to Like, Jay Uso has to get the next title shot. He's the one that just pinned Roman for the first time in four years right. or whatever the fuck.
0: And so Brock the and idea and of, like, Cody, oh, Cody
1: wins at SummerSlam to set up The Rock at Mania, like, that timeline yeah, well, doesn't make sense anymore.
0: No, but I, I think they could do it at Rumble. And then that gives enough promo time between Rumble and, and Mania for The Rock oh. to come in and sell tickets and all that. I don't think this is a SummerSlam thing. I could see this being a January Royal Rumble thing, which means we get six more months of Roman Reigns uh, as Mm. champion. But I mean, we've already gone through the thousand. Uh, Now it's like, who cares when he loses at this point? Which is to your point of, did we miss the window the other way? I think the only way this makes sense, and it doesn't feel like Rock Cena 2, is if this, if... um, If Cody beats him at Royal Rumble and then sets up the head of the table match. And I think the head of the table match could be a match that headlines an actual headline, not one of these like triple main events. Like the actual main event could be Roman Reigns versus The Rock without the title for the head of the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, that would be like CM Punk losing the world title to The Rock at the Rumble. And then it's like, Bo, oh, but you get to face The Undertaker at Mania.
0: Right. You know? Like, to me... Yeah, it's- I, I get that. I get that. I just... I, If we have to wait till Mania for Cody Reigns, and then... Because, I mean, once you beat Brock Lesnar, who's next for Cody? Because they have well, the that's, that's what I'm saying, out. right?
1: Like, what does... Post summer, because Cody will presumably have the blow off match with Brock at SummerSlam. Roman Correct. will presumably have a match against Jey Uso at SummerSlam. What happens between SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble? For Cody Rhodes, pff, who, who on the roster is over enough? Do you, do you have him revisit? Like, you can't have him challenge Seth Rollins. They've already kind of stated, like, that's not the goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's like so Roman. It's like, are you gonna have those five months of just well? Now you got to wrestle Jimmy Uso, and also we'll do the solo turn. So Rumble will be Roman and Solo. Like, it's to me, it's like okay. Once you get beyond Summerslam, I am very intrigued to see it how they make the back half of their year interesting, because at least in July, I, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's looking very hot.
0: They've got right. the chance to actually either knock this out of the park or pop up fly for a triple play out. Like there's no in between between SummerSlam and either Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. This could go terribly for WWE and become very stale and very boring depending on how they want to play this. And I think the inevitable inevitable play for them is Cody beating Roman Reigns for the titles. The wild card for me is maybe Gunther is ready and he just shows up and becomes this mega star that just shows up and challenges Roman Reigns. But they haven't built any of that. So that's why it's logical for WWE to go that route. But
1: maybe they'll do uh, Gunther and Brock at the upcoming Mania instead of how it was teased at the Rumble this year. And then they didn't fucking do it. For whatever reason, sure, kind of seems like Brock didn't want to do the old J-O-B, so they had him beat Omos instead. But then, I'm
0: just let's, let's get you into your playground here with Forbidden Door, the yeah. best of, across the Atlantic, the AEW, New Japan, yeah. um Yeah. I, I imagine top to bottom, you enjoyed this except for maybe one or two matches.
1: Um, so it was the, it was very much the typical AEW pay-per-view of, okay, maybe you had one match too many, maybe two. Yes. Every yep. match on the main card went uh, at least 10 and a half minutes. Um, but that's the theme of AEW pay-per-views. They give people their time to shine. Um, it was a big month for AEW though, the month of June. Um, you know, the idea that you had forbidden door and then obviously we'll talk about collision in a second, but. Um, this was the whole idea. Well, actually, in fairness, the, the debut of Collision happened before. Yes. Forbidden Door. We'll talk about Forbidden, Boor, uh, Forbidden Door
0: first, though. Um, By the way, CM Punk is back and we don't need to bring anything else. Oh, just sorry. We I jumped ahead of one really important thing that we kind of didn't ah. want to give a lot of time. Um, yeah. Draws passing mm-hmm. away just to just to put kind of a, a bookmark or a close of chapter to what we're going to talk about in WWE. Um uh, Darren off the draws puke uh he's kinda- Legion of Doom member Legion of Doom 2000 member uh passing Did away any
1: push hawk off the titan Tron. we'll never know
0: <laughs> um man I don't know you know we talk about like guys who are going to make it to that main event level I don't know if he would have made it there but I think he would have had a very successful run Had he not had that unfortunate uh, injury uh, in the match with D'Lo Brown, which uh, arguably shortened his stay on this planet. Mm. But, uh, you know, just uh, tough news to hear Um, last week with uh, Darren Drozdorf. Drozdorf? Drozdorf? Drozdorf, yeah. Yeah. Um, Passing away. Um, And I think, too, it was like, or maybe it was Monday because they showed a graphic and kind of caught everybody off guard nobody knew no none of the uh reporters or anything like that knew it it was kind of a just an absolute surprise to almost everybody uh in the wrestling world so
1: someone who was things. a a staple of the attitude era for sure you know and we'll never obviously know what the ceiling would have been for him in that company but it's tough to not he's tough to miss if you go back to 98 99 um, especially in watching the weekly programming, so yeah, definitely, definitely some rough news. And like you said, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, you know, you, you almost hate to bring it up because you don't want to make it such a bummer. But it's one of those things where you know, for you and I, who both have fond memories of that particular era, um, you know, go back, check it out, and um, you know, the the first the first tag partner of, of the man who would be, later become Lord Tensai. Um, <laughs> But not the best, because let's be honest, Test and Albert TNA, that's where it was
0: at. But, yeah, um, you had to bring Test into this, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. I uh, really an absolute must watch. Uh, go on YouTube <laughs> and search uh, Beyond the Mat. Uh uh-huh. Puke. So, side note, I yes. watched that within the last two months. I have to watch that again. it, it It's on
1: YouTube, and it was just randomly uh, like on the page. Like the entire movie or the clip? Yeah. Yeah, the entire movie. Oh, was just randomly on my YouTube suggested feed. So for the first time in at least 10 years, I watched maybe 15. I watched Beyond the Mat. And um, it is just as
0: interesting now as it was then. Um, I can't imagine. I haven't seen it in, in 20 years. I think it was like 98 when it came out.
1: 90, uh, I think, yeah, 98, 99, maybe as late as 2000 in some form. But um, yeah, it's just the idea of, and for anyone who hasn't seen this film, it's very interesting because, it, I mean, literally it's the idea of behind the scenes and Draws is a big part of it. He's in arguably the most famous scene <laughs> of the movie in Vince McMahon's office. And Vince, of course, because dicks and butts and poop and farts, his favorite form of humor, Found out that this college football player, Darren Drozdov, could puke on command. And oh my god, the fascination.
0: Um, Uh, You also also get to find out that uh, Jake the Snake Roberts is his own uncle.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Um, (laughs)
1: That was one of the strangest parts of the movie, is to see Jake then. And to know that, oh, in 2023, he's not dead. Right. is such a fucking relief because you watch this and you're like, how the hell? Right. Uh, bless the man, dude. Turn 69 years old this year. Even nice. he would have told you like this. Yeah, nice. There's no fucking way he would have bet on that happening. And it's awesome. So yes. awesome to see everything that's happened uh, for Jake the Snake Roberts in the last 10 years. But yeah, you watch Beyond the Mat and you're just like it, it, the words lost cause come to mind and to know that that's not how it happened is great. Right. Um the Terry Funk storyline of him contemplating retirement and knowing he did not wrestle his last match until 2017 and within the last week of recording this show celebrated his 79th birthday. Jesus.
0: The Holy the Mick Fred Foley a little bit Mick Foley
1: storyline. Yeah, go ahead. The Mick Foley focus is crazy too, because you know, it's talking like so much of the focus is on like the impact his stunts have on his family. Right. Did you see the WWE video? I did see this. They put out, uh, Mick Foley and the undertaker watching back Helen a cell 25 years later.
0: So they go through the Royal rumble where he takes the 13 chair shot from the rock. Yeah. Yeah. On, on, uh, Beyond the mat. Um, yes. I I saw that pop up on my timeline on YouTube. I did not, not to stop it. to watch it.
1: You gotta watch but, it. It's a really fun half an hour. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a good time. WWE, but yeah, dude. they have the ability to put stuff out like that that no other company can, aside from maybe New Japan. Um, and But they fucking knock it out of the park with stuff like that. They always do.
0: But the beyond the mat to watch uh, Mick Foley take 13 share shots through the eyes of Noel. Mm. Is it's still tough to watch. Yeah. I you know what? I haven't watched it since I've become a father. I think oh, that's the reason why <laughs> I don't want to watch it. There's also, you know, the the plight of the guy getting the tryout. Um, uh Tony Jones
1: and Michael Modest, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a, just an amazing, interesting watch. So uh but so, yeah, yeah draw's a big part of that. Make sure you check out Beyond the Mat just to see kind of the the character the formation of the character but uh rest in peace mr Drozdov. Now from that I give the floor to Tuggie about <laughs> Oh don't act like don't act like you won't
1: be doing your fair share of talking here when we get into our AEW section.
0: Yeah, but please. I mean okay, so I was streaming live uh doing a watch and I actually decided to just give up on it because the first half of forbidden door was not for me. And and I don't mean that as like, as a comment of like, Oh, it wasn't for me. I didn't, uh, it act. I'm not a, I don't digest overseas wrestling the way that you do. So right. my entire time watching this, except for the Tony storm willow match, because that wasn't the forbidden door. Um, that uh that basically to me was i i didn't understand why these guys were wrestling i know tanahashi was in it didn't really know the storyline didn't really this is where like those wwe vignettes of Mm -hmm. two minutes of building who the the competitors are and why they're in this match i would have died for those during this um Funny enough, I actually switched to playing video games and having it on in the background uh, right before Osprey and Omega. <laughs> 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 so, How'd that
1: work out for you?
0: Well, you know what? The After, I would say, the Blackpool Combat Club Elite uh, five-man match, after that, things kind of turned around, but I kind of already had given up on, this isn't for me. I get it. I understand it. Run with it. It's just, I am a North American wrestling fan. I don't necessarily begrudge anybody who watches Japanese wrestling. There's a lot of parts of it that I really enjoy. I just don't know those guys. So the match Tanahashi versus uh, MJF could care less. (laughs) There was just no buildup. It was just like another, it was almost like going back to Saturday mornings when i grew up it was just enhancement matches as to me but i know that that wasn't the the build up or um the intent for somebody who followed it so that's why i sit here and say the floor is yours with with forbidden door i, I there were a lot of parts that i did enjoy but it just i'm i'm not a forbidden door I don't even want to say fanboy or fan or anything like that because I did enjoy parts of it. It just, I just don't get excited for it because I just, I I don't know how we got there, if that makes sense.
1: I would say so. Um, what I will say is, okay, so like the MJF Tanahashi match, I wouldn't say they inherently, like, it hasn't been like a consistent theme but it has been a theme that pretty much whenever MJF talks about New Japan it's always New Japan sucks and it's yes. beneath me so the idea of that match was well here's MJF against the the face of New Japan for the past 15 20 years I agree they could do a little bit better in, in hyping that up at the same time I, I do also think they just go into the assumption of like man if you're ordering this show you know that already and I'm not right. saying that's the right way to go about it obviously Um, but it was, it was a fine match that didn't need to be 15 and a half minutes, right? That's
0: just. Here's the thing with Tanahashi that got me as well, because I didn't have that background. Watching him on collision versus swerve. Yeah. You had one of your top rising stars go up against a guy who has been in the industry. That's like, that's like putting sting in the ring with Darby Allen. Like. Mm. Swerve wasn't going to carry him and Tanahashi didn't really look like he wanted to be carried, but they're on two different planes right now. And I was actually kind of disappointed with Tanahashi's performance in both matches just because, again, I don't know a heck of a lot about him. I know he's worthy of being in an AEW heavyweight title match, Mm -hmm. but he didn't look that great versus Swerve the night before. You know,
1: that I agree with. Um, I didn't understand the idea of of doing what they did, how they did it. The issue with Tanahashi right now, he is very beat up. Yeah, Very, very beat up, especially his fucking knees. Um, I agree. That was a pretty bad idea in terms of uh, here's this ultra-athletic performer in Swerve Strickland trying to almost... Trying to limit, basically having to limit himself and work around what Tanahashi could do right now versus this matchup, MJF Tanahashi, that was just really kind of basic pro wrestling, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a much better fit for the style.
0: It wasn't bad, but it didn't do Tanahashi any favors, in my eyes. I agree. Um, You know, Punk Kojima was kind of the
1: same thing of, okay, we need to get CM Punk a win. Apparently, there were rumors of, hey, they wanted it to be Kenta because the whole GTS thing and Kenta inventing the move, but punk making it more famous over here. Um, but I guess Kenta didn't want to, or at least that's the story about it. Maybe you're all not just being the played bag <laughs> and they'll do it eventually. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that ended up being a fine match. Um, the fatal four way though, like orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre, Jr. Shibata, Daniel Garcia. I really enjoyed
0: um, that was it. Was a good match, but again, I know Zach Saber Junior. from the Cruiserweight Classic. No idea the other guy, and apparently they were feuding going into this match, or had more a some Ring sort of history.
1: Yeah. yeah, which again, to your point, they they needed to WWE. Will uh, people complain about it? But WWE is very smart in beating you over the head with like, there's no nuance. And their right. storytelling, they will beat you over the head. Here is what's going on, laid out as simplistically as possible. And they're very smart to do it that way.
0: I love those vignettes because it either answers the questions of why are we here? Or they're the perfect amount of time to go to the washroom. <laughs> yeah, basically. And you don't like, really
1: if if miss you, any if you of not know If you don't know, watch it. If you do know, here's your break before the next right. match. Right. Yeah. Um, you know... It, to that point, right as I continue to go through this pay per view, I agree that like there was a good amount of it where it's okay, it wasn't overly special. Um, Sonata Jungle Boy, for example, pretty much just served as a reason to kind of be the catalyst for what we've seen now, which is the the Jack Perry
0: heel turn. He's which just wearing sunglasses and his father's leather jacket. Let's come on, let's do better.
1: They are trying something different though, and I respect <laughs> this is true, it. Yes. And I do think it is going to weave back around towards him being involved with Christian, which I do think is smart. Um, I think they realized from the the face perspective, like, there's only so far that Jungle Boy can go under that character without, you know, undergoing a bit of an evolution and then coming back to it down the road, which I think is what they're going to do. Like, you will 100% get that version of jack perry again but it's kind of like it's kind of like the rock like the rock not to say jack perry is going to be anything near that but it's the idea of you know Hollywood rock the rock isn't going to be the rock if he stayed rocky mayavia forever correct you know so that's kind of the stage where jungle boy is at and we'll see obviously what his ultimate ceiling is i don't see him becoming the uh, the Hollywood superstar, obviously, but from a wrestling perspective and his importance to this company, he needed this.
0: This is a very pivotal um, feud as well, because I could see this actually elevating Hook more mm. than just the guy who shows up every couple of weeks because he's the cool guy. He's Everybody wants to see him. He still has some work to do in the ring and everything, but, I mean, he's he's learning as he goes. He's, he is AEW's dom, basically but yeah face um this could actually be a way to get a main event guy to come down to see if he can elevate hook yeah but still look good in his own right whether he's a healer or face as well i think this is a very very important feud that AEW is booked and i'm i'm interested to see how it ends up
1: i mean you made the uh the dominant comparison again too and I mean, I I think AEW is is trying to do what they can to make sure that guys like like Hook are ready in ring and, hey, we'll work on the... So I think with Hook, it's been, hey, he's a little bit more featured. Okay, let's pull him back a little bit. Let's tweak these couple of things, give him a little bit more time, which I do think um, is pretty smart. I mean, especially now, like they have this expanded roster. They're doing house shows a little bit more. You don't have to rush a a 24-year-old to that spotlight. Dominic's in the spot where... I think most would agree. He is a serviceable uh, in-ring performer, but he has gotten the character work down quite a bit. I'm not going to say it's the most difficult thing in the world to portray the character that he's doing, but it does lend so perfectly to that natural charisma that he has. So, you know, uh, I do think this idea of Hook and Jack Perry, it, it's a it's a good thing because, I mean, both of these guys, I mean, Jesus, are either of them over 20? Okay, so I think like uh, either of
0: them are over five foot two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Jack but, Perry turned twenty six last month, and Hook is twenty four. For God's but, sake, so like these guys are going to be around for a long time.
0: Again, this is the, uh, it's a believable feud too. Uh, I you know I joke about their height and their their bodies and everything, but this is actually going to be more of an entertaining feud than we would have gotten or what we got with Luchasaurus versus Jack Perry because of the believability of who should or could win. Mm. Um, almost to to get back to Forbidden Door, I, I was going to mention, like Jack Perry was not going to win the New Japan Heavyweight title. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> same same breath, Tanahashi was not going to win the AEW. Well, I mean, how cool would that have been even if he dropped it on Dynamite the next week? But just to, to freshen things up, but these matches, like, I actually like the four-way because Garcia was in there. Garcia could have walked out with the international title and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't disrupt anything. Jack Sabre Jr. winning disrupts everything because he's not going to come to North America full-time. I think he actually lives in the U.S. Does he?
1: Yes. Um, But his
0: primary promotion is New Japan right now. Right. So the New Japan guys aren't going to come over and be a... You know, they could relinquish it like Nicholas did the next night (laughs) after winning the tag team titles with Mm -hmm. Braun Strowman at uh, New Orleans uh, WrestleMania. But, like, to my point, like, there wasn't a lot of suspense heading into a lot of these matches. As much as once the matches got started, they were serviceable, great wrestling matches. It was just that why are we here kind of factor for me. But continue on because it is...
1: They are still very much, and I think the thing is now, we are 10 years into the idea of here's the New Japan X company crossover show. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to one of the very first ones. There was the, uh, it was 2014 and it was ROH New Japan Hammerstein Ballroom New York City uh, War of the Worlds. And it's, it was the same concept right it's it's funny because um I don't I don't get to talk about this show too much but
0: boy I, I, I don't fun. mean to deflate too many tires here but I'm pretty sure wCw did some worlds collide or oh, what, they did. whatever they called it years yeah. before but they again well, those I'm
1: not were... saying they invented the idea no, of no, the no, crossover no. show
0: but also those were very much why are we here because they didn't build them up properly like you're used to a feud lasting 1 to 3 months and instead you got hey guys it's sunday this guy's wrestling that guy <laughs> Well so, again to
1: to my point before you yes, so rudely
0: interrupted as i was my explaining bad. the concept of these shows I it's been a long time since i've been able to just you know try and sound like i know what i'm talking about on this podcast <laughs> Well no you
1: are right that there have been crossover shows for years and years and years and years
0: but in terms of New Japan
1: specifically, mm-hmm. it was around this time, 2013, 2014, that there was this big boom in interest elsewhere outside of Japan beyond. I mean, people have always been interested in what's been going on over there. It's always been a thing. But the accessibility, especially for those in North America and the UK, to New Japan really took off 10 years ago or so now. Um, so the idea of Ring of Honor In North America, co-promoting shows, it was, oh, shit, we're going to get to see these dream matches. And that War of the Worlds 2014 card kind of shows that because just to read off some of what this card was, um, you had Jay Lethal, uh, who was Ring of Honor TV champion at the time, and Kushida. Of course, now, 10 years later, Kashida spent time in NXT. Now he's back in New Japan. But at the time, the idea of you're getting to see, I think you could describe Jay Lethal as a cruiserweight. This was the idea of you're getting to see two of the best cruiserweights in the world go head to head. There was also, um, you had the uh, IWGP tagged champions, which uh, were Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson of Bullet Club <laughs> take on the Briscoes. Which, again, is the idea of these two companies' top tag teams. Granted, there were other tag teams you would have wanted to see the Briscoes have a match with, but you get the right. point. But what sold this, these, these, in my opinion, were the... Well, actually, Jesus Christ, I forgot about this match. Then you did have the, the junior tag titles, which this was an ROH World tag title match. It was Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly against the Young Bucks, Jeez. who... I mean, again, it's the idea of both were kind of Ring of Honor at the time, but both were doing New Japan. And then the bigger matches, Adam Cole is Ring of Honor World Champion defended against Jushin Liger. Very similar to MJF and Tanahashi. You're like, there's no fucking way. There's a title change here, but it's still cool to see.
0: Right. The two
1: biggest matches. Michael Elgin representing Ring of Honor, although he was doing work with New Japan against Kazuchika Okada against IWGP heavyweight champion AJ Styles in a triple threat. Oh, man. That was one of the two matches where you're just like, look, there's no story to this. I don't give a fuck. I want to see right. that. And I was so glad I did. And then the biggest, this was this was the one that people in the building were the most excited about. Shinsuke Nakamura and Kevin Steen. 10 see, years later.
0: Yes. Hmm. See, uh, what I was going to say, and and you may have been getting there after you said 10 years later, I 10 years ago, like pre Shinsuke jumping, no idea. Right. So unless there was some sort of buildup or some sort of like explanation, again, a lot of those AJ Styles I knew of, um, like a lot of those, there's history where. As a North American wrestling fan, seeing guys who jump, but then come back representing New Japan, those a lot of those matches that you have mentioned absolutely make sense. Except for, like, I wouldn't have known Red Dragon. Right. I know them now, and to me, that would be an absolute banger of a match. But, yeah. It, anyways, continue. I just... Essentially,
1: what I'm saying is it is the idea of like this has been the formula for 10 years or so. And for whatever reason, they haven't strayed away from it. So someone like you, even 10 years ago, you would have just been like, okay, I get the idea of it, but it's not necessarily for me. Someone like me, it's like, okay, if I like it's that idea of if you watch both promotions, then like, holy shit, it's for you. But I agree they could do a better job of not making it uh, as niche as it is, despite it being successful and putting God, what was it? How many fucking people were at Forbidden Door? Listed attendance of about 15,000 people at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. There is the idea of like, there's a way to make it even more accessible.
0: They need to actually do it in Japan. Yeah, Next year. <laughs> so, so, in saying that, I didn't watch uh, Forbidden Door last year because all the guys I wanted to see ended up getting injured heading into. Right. And from AEW. So it was kind of like a write-off. I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to enjoy it because the guys I want to see aren't going to be there. This time, you know, you had your CM Punk's, you had your Brian Danielsons, you had your, um, uh, I got to make sure I say it right, BCC, not BBC. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, There was a lot there from the one side that I thought I would enjoy next year when when forbidden door comes around i am not going to block off time to go and to watch it i'll probably watch it afterwards or uh, you know see the clips on twitter and that's i'm not saying that as a negative i'm saying that as as the type of fan that i am that's how i want to enjoy it next year and i don't begrudge anybody who does that like we we know somebody who was on the floor and absolutely loved it I'm sure he didn't know what the hell was going on, <laughs> but just the environment and everything was, uh, was absolutely electric to him. So.
1: So um, in terms of the rest of the card too quickly, like it did get better. Um, they had the, the 10 man tag, like the elite Eddie Kingston, so on and so forth against the BCC, like you mentioned. And that was, that was a very like fun, hectic type of match that you would expect to see when it's like, Oh, what's a 10 man tag. And, an AEW setting like this is going to be a wild brawl and that continues to set up the idea of what's coming up in Boston in a few weeks and we'll talk about what's coming up because uh you and I will both be attending AEW shows this month and I'm very excited
0: first time we can say that (laughs) I'm very excited to talk about that um also coming out of that match I'm a huge Ishii fan I don't know his first name but holy crap I love that guy (laughs) just his, his 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 just his mannerisms and his, his persona and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ishii. did, did, um, uh, did they, did they reference him as (laughs) Ishii? Yeah. So I, from what, what's funny is I've always heard the pronunciation of Ishii
1: versus Ishii in terms of the emphasis on what you're supposed to do. We have to ask good friend of this show, Coco sports. Um, yes, an American living in Japan, what the proper pronunciation is, even though I know his Japanese still isn't a strong suit. Um, just, I've always heard, I've always heard it said both ways throughout the past ten years or so.
0: Just the the um when Eddie Kingston announced, he didn't say his first name. He just said it was Ishii, and I was mm. just like, dude, just made our Easy E reference <laughs> in introducing <laughs> a Japanese wrestler that looks nothing like Easy E. Anyways, continue. Yeah, but I I'm, no, I'm going to um, keep interrupting it when okay. I actually have something to interrupt with, but keep going. But no.
1: Tomohiro Ishii is phenomenal. Um the dude's 47. Yeah. Um his it's, style, it's, he could go forever. Probably. So what's really weird is he was just kind of there in like up to like 2011, 2012 he was just kind of a guy. It certainly not like the type of performer that he is now. And then it was around 2012. I think that he came back or that the very least started putting in these really, really good matches. And then 2013 um, was like his fucking breakout year. Um, in particular, you mentioned in that fatal four-way not really being that familiar with Shibata, um, but he and Shibata had a match in the G1 tournament. You know, their annual big tournament, kind of like their King of the Ring. Um, where these two, in terms of hard hitting matches, like th- this is a thing where we're approaching the ten year anniversary of this. This still gets mentioned all the time online like it is and i want to see if i can find a way to track it down for you even though again for you watching now it's like okay it's just two people hitting each other very hard but basically he had this career resurgence at 36 37 years old of just i'm gonna be in these fucking stupid ass hard-hitting matches and you see a guy who's like 5 seven, 220 this bowling ball with legs yeah. just in these <laughs> matches it's it's the best he's the best i adore him i absolutely do um for the rest of Forbidden Door, like Tony Storm, Willow Nightingale, strong match. Um, you know, Will and Willow Nightingale's in a in a really weird spot where um, spoiler alert for New Japan fans, she just lost the title that she um beat uh, one Mercedes Monet for when she wasn't supposed to because Mercedes right. got hurt. Um, but it was nice because she's awesome and it put her in she has that like NXT Bailey energy. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's my character? I'm really nice until you I'm piss me off and I'll <laughs> knock your fucking head off. <laughs> right. It's the best. Yeah. Um, and then the top three matches, I'm, I'm going to forego one for a minute, but you had the triple threat of like Sting, Darby Allen, and Naito against Jericho, Guevara, Suzuki, which Sting, what a fucking week he had. He accidentally took the 630 through the tables because he didn't move in time. And then on the next Dynamite, he did the ladder jump from mm-hmm. inside the ring to the floor and Darby Allen was quoted today saying um that was all Sting's idea. Steve Borden at 64 years old just being like fuck it, let's do it.
0: Yeah, the, just even the him. image of him at the top of the ladder when Darby Allen was climbing the other side and like no, no. I got this. And you're Dude, like
1: my my heart was pounding. Like I'm sitting there watching that episode of Dynamite, my fiance next to me and I'm like <laughs> you're, you're going to want to see this. So she looks up because her her wrestling consumption for the most part is she'll she'll be reading at the same time. So she'll mm-hmm. always be looking up, keeping an eye at what's going on. Um, and as I was looking over to like, you're going to want to see this. I look over. She's already just like, what the fuck is he doing?
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm I think I'm pretty close to my apex of seeing sting do these things. Uh, Yeah, yeah, me too. This was like as as the holy shit moments and everything as a 60 plus year old doing them. amazing because nobody's really I mean, we haven't seen anything like this. And I hate to use this reference when talking about sting, but we haven't seen somebody do stupid stuff like this at such an advanced age since May fucking young. (laughs) 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 But like it's it's cool to see him do this, but it is like. I saw, I worried. saw the, I saw the clip of the buckle bomb last week <laughs> on, on TikTok. And that I, I cringe when I see Seth Rollins use that because Finn Balor and Sting, like it's amazing that he's walking away from these things, but I want him to walk away from these things. Therefore, I want him to not do these things <laughs> going forward. I'm, I'm pretty close to like, okay, he needs, he needs to shift. And if that's the. If that's a short program against Darby Allen where Mm -hmm. Darby's the one doing the crazy stuff, I'm okay with that. If it's just him in a speaking mentor role, I'm okay with that. If that's just him standing in the ring with guys he's never stood in the ring with, a la Chris Jericho, I'm okay with that. But, like, I am getting very close to, like, okay enough. (laughs) It's amazing the work that you're doing, but you don't have to do this. You are Sting.
1: You're afraid as am I of what if he pushes his luck too far and it's a scary thought.
0: I I hate to use the reference but I you know you look at Lex Luger right now and it's it's apples and oranges he didn't do anything in the ring to cause it whatever he did but to see Lex Luger in a wheelchair right now in the in the condition that he's in is sad. I don't yeah. want that for Sting. I don't want to see somebody like Sting who has been a staple for nearly 30 to 40 years in the wrestling industry to just go, you know what? I'm going to do one more thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I got this one and he doesn't. And it's going to be, I, I, you don't want a tragedy to happen. Yes. Yeah. And we've seen a lot
1: of tragedies in wrestling and it, it, you don't want Steve Borden to go down as one of them at the end because he pushed it too far.
0: Right. Now I say I'm almost at my apex. Keep keep doing some of it, but stop after like three more.
1: <laughs> right. Um. There was the uh, main event: Brian Danielson, Kazuchika Okada, which was good, not great, and that was out of their control. I do think, in a sense, it was designed to not be the greatest match of all time because it really did feel like this was the first of at least two, if not three but also it was heavily hindered by the fact that Brian Danielson broke his fucking arm with 10 minutes to go in the match and still finished the match.
0: Amazing on his part. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. watching that match, and again, I was a little preoccupied. I did not see where it happened or where it hindered him. Uh, I am going to go back and watch. I think I, I tried to watch the, uh, the Omega and um, uh, the uh, Osprey match which I think you left out intentionally, intentionally Yeah, um, and just an abs. Uh, we'll get into that later on. But like, I, I didn't see anything that would have said, Ooh, this, this doesn't feel right for a match between these two. But again, it, it, for me, it was that, are we really going to see, you know, who's going to go over in an AEW pay-per-view to me, mm-hmm. forbidden doors an AEW pay-per-view that new Japan takes part in. If it was on the other side of the pond, I could see New Japan going over a lot more and possibly stealing some of the belts. But continue. this upcoming January,
1: you will likely get that <laughs> <laughs> I think there will be some rematches. Um, I, I found it funny, of course, how fucking fickle some people are of, oh, we'll fickle. praise Cody Rhodes because he suffered an injury that, well, he can't hurt it more. But Brian Danielson, that was just irresponsible that you wrestled the last (laughs) 10 minutes with a broken arm. That was irresponsible. It's like, it's the same concept. If you hate one, you have to hate the other.
0: There is the unwritten rule in professional wrestling, and we saw it with Big Will. (laughs) The uh, Enzo and uh, what was he during His WWE run? Big Cass, yeah. And there was a match where he tore his quad or something, and he didn't get back in the ring he let the count out happen. Like, there is an unwritten rule in professional wrestling. If you get legitimately injured, unless you're knocked out, you get back in the ring. You try and... I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin finished the the match against Owen Hart as as cringy as it was to see yeah. him try and do a small package with a broken fucking neck. You get back in the ring and you finish the match. So the fact that Brian Danielson finished the match and it wasn't a, Oh, I broke my arm. We have to do the pin 10 more minutes, mm. which I'm sure was an eternity for Brian Danielson in that moment.
1: I don't even know if he, I don't think he realized just how bad it was until obviously right. afterwards and the adrenaline winds down of it all, you know, but yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, and then obviously, yeah, the, the, the big match was Osprey and Omega. I mean, this got about 40 minutes worth of time and it's a match between will osprey and kenny omega and i mean uh, whether or not we get a third one in january who's to say or or potentially i mean you know if i'm them i certainly look at all in in london which Mm -hmm. holy shit the the ticket sales for that still over a month out still over a month out without a single Match announced and they are at 75,000 tickets sold
0: out of they what might is it, what va- is, Wembley holds 84 or 86. Their,
1: their current setup right now, according to Ticks, is 87,825 and they could still fit more people if the demands there.
0: Okay, so I'm going to do the voice. Ready? Oh, but it's not a seller. It's 75,000 <laughs> tickets sold. <laughs> like, holy shit. It would like, be the same thing as
1: WWE, though. Like, again, like th- those type of people fucking exist on both sides, and it's fucking stupid, right? Like, for as right. much as I can be like, look, I'm critical to WWE, it's not in a way to like defend AEW. It's just like, look, I, I recognize that, hey, I grew up with WWE, and there's a lot of things they do now that it's like, okay, I'm. I don't enjoy the on-screen. There's a lot of off-screen stuff that I don't enjoy that they partake in. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but I'm also not, you know, jumping to Twitter to tap dance in celebration if something doesn't go their way. Any wrestling company putting seventy-five thousand people into a building without a single match announced, right. without a single match announced, is fucking insane. Uh, this this does have the potential to be... for And think about it, too. Money in the Bank. Big part of the reason as to why that stood out? The crowd, obviously. Right. Um, AEW picked the right time to strike holding a big event in the UK because I do think WWE will hold a WrestleMania in the UK in the next three years.
0: Wasn't wasn't Money in the Bank in the O2? Yes. And O2 is smaller than... O2,
1: the O2 is a, a typical sized arena if you give me one second yeah, yeah. i will be able to tell you um because exactly. what a feather
0: in the cap if if wrestle or if uh wwe is out here saying most successful pay-per-view outside of the u.s most per- per, uh arena show blah 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 and then aew goes in and goes oh you you did f- 40 you did 35 we we've already got 75
1: yeah yeah like money right in the now, banks Go ahead. Announced attendance was just under 19,000 people.
0: So, yeah, that's the saddle dome. That's that's the the garden. That's yeah. That's big, a, big that's arena. a hockey arena. Yeah. That actually makes me scratch my head why WWE did that. Cuz the, the question I was going to ask you was, do you think AEW is ready for MetLife? Do you think they're ready for a football stadium that's
1: that's the big question right and if they do it'll be in jacksonville because right they won't have to pay as much rent <laughs> <laughs> fair but there i'm not sure on the on the u.s side of things like i'm i'm not sure um the uk it's one of those things where it's like okay you think of the size of the uk and it's like sure someone from ireland northern ireland scotland like they are going to make that trek there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um people in the U S will do the same thing, but in a general sense, like it's, it's, it's less of a, less of a hassle almost from from the UK perspective to have it be a traveling show for people to attend.
0: So apples and oranges, as I like to say, uh, looking, I saw somebody, uh, Edmonton is hosting dynamite tonight. Yes. And as of earlier this week, there was still a couple hundred tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, heading into the show like call it 500 again they could probably see 20,000 not call it 19,000 just for comparison so the fact that they're not pay-per-view you're going to want to go to a pay-per-view rather than a a weekly show so uh, i don't know i don't know if they are ready i think they're very damn close that if they actually built it up the way that wrestlemania does like where they announced like Next year, we're going to be here like the next all out. They actually announced that they're going to be at the Jacksonville football stadium and give it a year. I think that happens. I think they're very close. I just don't know if it's a complete sellout, but I think they hit their records that they've never hit before or any company. Because I don't even think outside of Atlanta, WCW never had a million dollar gate. Outside um, of the Goldberg, the Goldberg, yeah. uh, Hogan, Nitro. I don't even know if that actually hit a million either.
1: Yeah, according to um, Will Washington, in a tweet from this past April, now full you know, acknowledgement, it does work now <laughs> for AEW. Right. Um, but yeah, the largest sole promoted gate WCW ever drew was 41,412 fans at that Georgia <laughs> Dome. Nitro, um, the attendance record for the Georgia Dome. Granted, it's for a concert, but the Georgia Dome apparently has had like a concert capacity of eighty thousand people.
0: So they so only filled half. Uh,
1: yeah, but obviously for wrestling, you got to factor in the stage and the ring and stuff like that. But not like yeah. a concert wouldn't have a big stage too. Like you're realistically, how many seats are you actually missing out on from that perspective? You know, right. Right. So it's um, it, it's interesting. It's interesting, but AEW doing the right thing. Honestly, I mean, a lot of people are talking about when they did their Canadian debut, they should have done it at Skydome, Rogers Arena Center, whatever the fuck. Um, and the feeling was, did they miss out by not doing that? And a lot of people thought, yes, because there was some pretty big demand for that first Dynamite. UK-wise, they didn't make the same mistake. They didn't go to the O2 to start. They're just like, nope, right. fuck it, we're going for it. And it, it's worked, which is great. Right. Um, so, AEW-wise, Forbidden Door, I thought was a very good show. I didn't think it was an all-timer, but it did have an all-time match on it with Osprey and Omega because it's Osprey and Omega. Um, but as mentioned, AEW-wise, there's two relevant things. The first being that we are both going to shows this month. The second... Uh, being the video game released in that time. So Crash Andrews, you are going to the collision, if I'm not mistaken, yes. in Calgary later this month.
0: On the 15th, very excited, not only for the Owen Hart classic uh, finale on both sides, which I think will be awesome. And I still have that argument in my head if Bret Hart is going to make an appearance. And I th- I still think he does. I don't know why I know why he shouldn't. I know why he wouldn't, but I still think he does. But earlier this uh, week as well, it was announced that they are either filming or I don't know if they're going to extend their TV time, but we are also going to get Battle of the Belt mm. uh, either recorded or shown live uh, from the Dome as well, which it went Probably- from like
1: yeah because because collision sorry but collision's been running from 8 to 10 eastern right. so yeah from 10 to 11 will be the the battle of the belts portion i imagine
0: right so and my son and i we've been talking like who who do we want to see and everything and all of a sudden now it's gone to most likely ftr is going to put their tag team belts mm-hmm. on the line we're gonna get um orange cassidy uh mm-hmm. with the inter uh, the international i want to call it the intercontinental for some stupid reason um, and maybe a Tony Storm. I don't think we get, uh, Luchasaurus. I'm trying to think. I, I highly doubt because Battle of the Belts, we've, there's never really been except for maybe the first one. We've never had the heavyweight title. Right. Uh, so I don't know if we get MGF. I would love to see MGF. My son actually asked me like, dad, if MGF insulted you, would you be like, would you laugh or would you cry? <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, <laughs> <to> both, <laughs> yes to both. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, we talk about you know no matches announced other than the finale uh, of the uh, the Owen Hart Classics. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely stoked for this show. We get, I mean, it's it's probably only big to um, anybody who understands the the idea of we get entry into the Calgary Stampede, which the Calgary Stampede costs it's going to cost $80 for both of us to get in anyways, so you either <laughs> get into the Stampede and get into AEW AEW for free or uh, or vice versa there. So I think we're going to hang out at the Stampede for a little bit. Hopefully there's a meet and greet and then uh hang out at the Saddle Dome and, and watch some wrestling, some high I'm excited just to see AEW yeah.
1: I think you're going to have a great time, man. I mean, again, I've been to every AEW show that's been held in Massachusetts, you know, closest state that they've run to me so far. It's, I can't imagine you not having a good time. Like, it might not be the best thing you've ever seen wrestling-wise in your life in terms of, like, oh, well, I went to, uh, well, you know. I was this at Canadian
0: certain- Stampede. I was at, yeah. th- I was like in the front row for Canadian Stampede. Me and my buddies, there was four of us. We got two rows front row and two rows three rows back, or two seats three rows back. I got to touch the Undertaker's body glove elbow cover uh, when he walked into the ring to take on Vader. I will go on record to say that Canadian Stampede was one of, if not the worst pay-per-view WWE put on at the time. (laughs) But, I was there and I think I have just as much excitement to be at the first AEW show than I did heading in, and that one was at The stampede as well but uh heading into aew i am just super jacked
1: i think you're gonna have a damn good time you and low crash both four days later i will be at td garden in boston massachusetts their first time running the garden and holy hell did they make it uh for a special reason blood and guts war games (laughs) at td garden Oh, it's gonna be fun! I'm going with the fiance. It'll be her second wrestling show. She went last summer as well when they held a dynamite in Worcester, um, and uh, two other buddies of mine that I, that I went to high school with, two of my groomsmen in my wedding, um, my my best man. We we both grew up as wrestling fans, but he he fell out of it eventually, unfortunately. Um, but it's just I'm I'm so excited, so fucking excited for this too. I mean, again, like. You know, I haven't, uh, what was it, last fall, last October or so was the last time they held a, an event in the area. And the thought was, OK, if they're coming back, it's it's for something big or it's for a pay-per-view. And it's not quite a pay-per-view, but you know what? It's it's the next best That's thing. It's their, it's their next best thing that they could do. The idea of getting to see a War Games match in person, which I could have. Uh, WWE held Survivor Series uh, last November at TD Garden in the same building, but obviously... Yeah, you chose was,
0: not to go. I chose not to go. <laughs> yes. Um, I did. I, just a quick point too. I scratch my head around AEW's travel plans because they're in Edmonton tonight. And yeah. they're going to go back to Saskatchewan. I think Saskatoon or Regina for Wednesday. Mm-hmm uh or for next week or maybe collision okay this weekend. so
1: i have it so it's edmonton yes. tonight for dynamite right then back to regina right on the 8th for collision next wednesday's dynamite is in saskatoon then next saturday's collision in calgary and then they go to td garden on july 19th
0: (laughs) you see what i mean though like uh, again saskatchewan to alberta like you would go saskatoon calgary edmonton or regina edmonton calgary but like for them to come to alberta then go back over do two shows and then come back uh i i get like if you wanted to schedule it around stampede whatever but uh It just, it just seems odd. Like I, there was a somewhat of an opportunity, even given the week that I've had, which we don't need to get into too much or at all, but uh, there was an opportunity. I was actually halfway between Calgary and Edmonton that for some reason in my brain, I thought Edmonton was next week because that logically makes more sense than Edmonton this week, Saskatchewan for two shows and then back into Calgary. So. There, You know, had I planned it out a little bit better, I'd probably be on my way to Edmonton for Dynamite tonight. And yeah, I, there I was rumors it, that I saw that it was like $15 a ticket just to fill out the rest of the tickets.
1: Yeah, AEW wise, it'll be like, okay, well, well you know, eventually towards, uh, obviously there's no denying WWE, their weekly shows draw a hell of a lot more. Um, AEW though still draws respectable, multiple thousands per week. Um, But yeah, you know, once they get closer to tickets or to, you know, showtime, it'll be all right. Let's make tickets cheaper. Let's make their group options to fill it out a little bit just to catch those people who might be on the fence otherwise, which, you know, it makes sense to me.